You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. A frustrating loss for the Mets on Tuesday night. Got a good start from David Peterson, but wasted it. The offense continues to struggle on the show today in the first segment. I'll recap the game a little bit in the second segment. I want to dive into a big at-bat that Francisco Alvarez had late and a questionable decision by Buck Showalter when it comes to managing the bullpen late. Then in the final segment, I got to talk about what's going on offensively. What are the Mets missing that is holding them back right now? We're going to go through all of it. Before we do, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. What a rough game to watch on Tuesday night. The Mets had their opportunities to score. They just didn't. David Peterson threw the ball well. The Mets pretty much wasted that effort. And it was just a game that felt winnable. And the Mets aren't winning these games that I feel like they won last year. And that's the frustrating part because even though we're just, you know, what is it, 12 games into the season, you're sitting at this point where it's too early to make sweeping declarations and conclusions about this team. But it feels like that special spark they had last year is missing. Now, they can find it at any point over the next six months. I am not hitting the panic button, but... I am a little concerned by some of the things we're seeing so far. And, you know, we'll start off with the bottom of the first inning. You know, David Peterson works through that top of the Padres lineup. So he puts a zero up, got an opportunity to get out to an early lead, which we know is so important. And last year it happened all the time. This year, not as much. Brandon Nimmo draws a walk. Starling Marte back in the lineup. Great to see. He lays down a bunt, gets on as well. So now you got first and second. Francisco Lindor walks. Bases are juiced, nobody out. Did the Mets score in that first inning with bases loaded, nobody out? No, they didn't score. And that's the issue. Pete Alonso strikes out. You know, he's hit the home run ball. Uh, he's been pretty good. But this was a big swing and a miss. And I got to shout out my guy, Uh, Hugo Perez, who has been a longtime listener to this show, always messaging me in the DMs. And he he sent me a message. He said, is there a way to know what Pete's average is with the bases full? I feel like no more than five hits and a lot of chances. Now, I don't have the entire uh, numbers in front of me as far as the hits, but I did look it up when he sent me this message and checked out Pete Alonso's career with the bases loaded. um, And his slash line is shocking. 189 average, 373 on base, 405 slug. So there's a lot of times where I guess Pete still is drawing walks and bases loaded situations where teams don't want to give up the grand slam. So he does have to deal with that getting pitched around. But that is kind of shocking. 
that is averaged below the Mendoza line. And here he was in a big spot striking out. So that was a frustrating move. And then Mark Canna grounds into a double play ball. Inning over. Something is missing here. And I think part of it is the fact that Mark Canna is batting fifth in this lineup. Now I get it. You know, Canna, good hitter, going up against a lefty. I still want Jeff McNeil in that spot. I, I don't ever see a reason why Mark Canna should be batting ahead of Jeff McNeil. Lefty, righty, don't care. And beyond that, this is where you run into the issues with this lineup, which we'll continue to get to throughout the show. But, man, would I not love Mark Vientos DHing in that spot. Man, would I not love you know, you know, to shuffle things up a little bit and have maybe McNeil batting third and Lindor batting fifth. So maybe it's bases loaded with Lindor up in that spot. I just don't like the lineup construction. I don't like who's protecting Pete most nights. And I feel like this team is missing a bat, and that bat might be in AAA, but I guess that's a story for another day. Uh, getting back to the game here. So you get through that first inning, somehow don't score. Second inning, you have David Peterson in a hairy situation. Gives up a couple of hits. There was a sack bunt. So he's got runners at the corners with one out. Gets a big-time double play ball. Gets out of that jam. Mets come up. 1-2-3. McNeil, Pham, Escobar. Third inning. Peterson goes through the lineup. 1-2-3. Gets out Bogarts and Machado. So that was a big inning for him. Mets, bottom third. Nothing going. Fourth inning. Three strikeouts from David Peterson. He strikes out Juan Soto, Nelson Cruz, and Sung Kim, who's not an easy guy to strike out. Did walk Jake Cronenworth, but again, he's giving you chances. He's putting up zero after zero after zero. Fifth or fourth inning, the Mets finally score in the bottom half. Lindor singles, Alonzo singles, then gets picked off. Uh, Lindor is on third base. Mark Canna sack fly. Mets luckily get on the board, but then Peterson ends up being the loser of this one because he gives up two runs in the top of the fifth. And as much as you might want to blame him in that spot when he doesn't get out of the jam, man, he gives up two runs against this Padres team. I am not blaming anything from this game on him. Gives up a base hit to Luis Camposano. Um, you know, that's that's unfortunate, but a, a guy who was a top prospect and right-handed batter, you know, could be a bad matchup for him. Gets Grisham out, gives up a hit to Brandon Dixon, so you got... Runners at first and second. Gets Bogarts out on a ridiculous play by Pete Alonso. He makes a diving stop, then dives into first base to beat Bogarts to the bag. That was an awesome moment. You thought Peterson was going to escape. Manny Machado hits a double. I'm not going to blame him for not getting a a ridiculously tough right-handed hitter out who's an MVP candidate in a lot of seasons. Um, You know, tough double, 2-1. Uh, but your lineup has to score. He ends up striking out Juan Soto, too, in a big spot there to get out of that jam and to stop the bleeding. And the Mets lineup does nothing for him after that. Sixth inning goes out, gets a couple of outs, gives up a base hit. They don't want him to face Campesano again, so they go to the bullpen. And Denny Reyes ends up getting him out and ends up going through uh, the seventh inning as well. So good pitching there um, from, from Denny Reyes. Um, but, you know, the Mets... Just did nothing offensively, you know. Eighth inning comes around. Um, you know, they have their opportunity again. Wardo Escobar, leadoff walk. Tim LaCastro comes in, swipes second. Francisco Alvarez comes up, strikes out. Uh, which is a pretty unfortunate situation to see him coming up big twice late in this game and not coming through when you were hoping he could deliver something for you. Nemo draws a walk, though. 
There's a weird force-out play where LeCastro ends up tagged out. You got runners at first and second for Lindor. He strikes out Swain. So uh, a big opportunity missed there. And then we'll get into a managerial decision. I actually want to talk about that on the other side of the break um, because I want to focus on the offense here because, again, bottom of the ninth inning, at this point the Mets were losing 4-1. And, again, we'll get to that in in the next segment here. But you have your opportunity, right? Alonzo walks. Canna struck out getting hit by a pitch. That was ugly. McNeil walks. So you got two runners on. Tommy Pham gets a knock. So that drives in one. You cut the deficit to four to two. Tomas Nito is the guy you have to call off the bench in a big spot to pinch hit against Josh Hader. That ends how you think he gets out. Then Francisco Alvarez comes up. You had also a double steal, I should add, too, with Nito. Up and he hits a ground ball that you know keeps the Mets in the game, puts runners in second and third. Alvarez just needs a base hit. That's all he needs. Strikes out. Frustrating. And I want to actually dive into that a little more as well as we kind of discuss this offense. But um, you know, it was a big opportunity for him. And what have I been saying about Francisco Alvarez before the call up? A guy that can struggle against high heat. He can get exposed. Look at the pitch-by-pitch on Francisco Alvarez. Every single pitch was at the letters or above. Not a single pitch in seven pitches was actually in the strike zone. He swung through three of them. He fouled one off. He did take a couple of balls. Started 2-0. And once he got into a hitter's count, he started swinging. And they just kept it elevated. And Alvarez got himself out. And the Mets lose this game. We want to discuss some more of this stuff. Alvarez, the decision by Buck. We're going to get to all of that in just a minute. Before we do, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NBA playoffs are here as the playing tournament right now. I watched my own Miami Heat tonight get beat. Pretty rough for me to be watching these two games simultaneously. But if you want to get in on the action, it is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, it's secure, it's super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to the spread to point scores to three-pointers drain. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, so Francisco Alvarez ends up being the headline in this one because he had an opportunity. Base hit, that you know potentially wins the game for you, or you turn the lineup over. I mean, that's the big thing, too, here. You know, Francisco Alvarez is sitting in the nine hole, right? So you go up, and you're sitting 2-0. All he had to do at that point, honestly, take until you get a strike at least. That's the thing. And maybe you have to, you don't want to give a hitter a take sign. You don't want to give a guy that could get a center cut fastball like Alvarez 
you know, uh, uh, you don't want to take the bat out of his hands in that spot because if Hater misses down and he gets that pitch belt high where he likes it, he puts it in the seats, you win the ball game. So I understand not giving him a straight take, but man, Hater was wild. So that was just a, a frustrating at bat all around. You know, the best pitch that he got, I guess, was that third pitch, but it was still, again, letters. That is where he struggles. He can't lay off of it because he, he wants to swing. He wants to impact the baseball with his bat. But he can't catch up to it either. And we saw it last year. I've mentioned it time and again, and here it was in one of the biggest moments, and it was fastball up, swings through it. Fastball even higher up, at his eyes, swings through it. Another one, at his eyes, fouls it off. Finally, you know, when one is over his freaking head, he's able to take it. But then, seventh pitch, again, fastball up. That one was at least maybe, you know, a strike if it got over the plate. But it was inside on him, and he swings through it. And there you go, it's a ball game. So, Alvarez had that to work on. But now he's in the show. So it's it's about still finding a way to get him his opportunities to have success but also help him learn. And it's got to be trial by fire, unfortunately. If he burns a little bit, he burns a little bit. What did Tomas Nito do for you? You know, at least with Alvarez, he was feared. So, look... I think this Alvarez experiment is going to have growing pains because, look, Julio Rodriguez sucked in the first month of the season last year. Went on to win the Rookie of the Year. Not to say that Alvarez is going to win the Rookie of the Year. He's going to be a player as good as J-Rod because I actually don't think that he has um, nearly as foolproof of a swing as J-Rod does in a setup and everything to be able to have that level of success. But he gets to you know, play at the graded curve of being a catcher where, you know, uh, 115 weighted runs creative plus, uh, 360 on base percentage, uh, 450 slug makes him one of the best offensive catchers in the game. So I still think that you need to play him. But this is why I was never calling for Alvarez's promotion. Check back on the tape. I never said why isn't Alvarez up? I said, why isn't Brett Beatty up? Because I think Brett Beatty in the exact same spot that Alvarez was. And look, Josh Hader's a tough matchup on a lefty. I think Brett Beatty's taken until he gets a strike and he draws a walk in that spot. And Brandon Nimmo comes up with an opportunity to draw a walk and get you that much closer. All of a sudden, you're sitting Starlin Marte bases juice with a Josh Hader at like 30 pitches. And maybe you win that ball game. Hader was not good in this game. And the Mets could have stole one from him. Here's the other thing, though. They also could have been sitting with a 2-1 game and tied and gone into extras because Buck Showalter, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? I mean, here's the situation, right? Let's go through the game when it comes to the pitching decisions that Buck Showalter made. And I hate to be nitpicky guy because I tried not to do that. If you listen to... The first season of Locked On Mets with Mickey Calloway, I was the guy that was always complaining about you know managerial decisions, and I did a little bit then in 2020. And since then, I've tried to stay away from it because honestly, you can understand if you look at the macro view, if you zoom out, 
you can see why a manager makes the decisions that they make. And it's always the fact that you have to manage all of these arms and, and try to navigate through a season. And that leads you to make some tough calls. And, you know, Buck Showalter knows more about baseball than I ever will. So I try not to play Monday morning quarterback on him. At the same time, you do have to wonder what happened. Why are the Mets in this situation where the game is very winnable? You're sitting down 2-1. You get four great outs from Reyes. So that carries you through the seventh. Brooks Raley comes out, big matchup against Juan Soto, gets through the inning, one, two, three. All right. So you've been able to preserve this one-run deficit all the way up into the ninth inning. And it's not Adam Adovino. It's not David Robertson. It's not Drew Smith. You go to Santana. You go to Dennis Santana in that spot. That's the thing that I think you look back on, and if you want to criticize the manager... That's where you go. That That's the point where you think, all right, why is he in the game? Now, you remember, though, Robertson and Adovino both pitched the previous game. With a five-run lead at one point, though, Adovino goes out to pitch. And that's my issue. Yes. Obviously, you want to secure the win at hand. But if we're trusting Santana in a 2-1 game, why can't we trust him in a 5-0 game? I think at times Buck Showalter is very set on if I have a lead, hold it. If I don't have a lead, he's not trusting his offense to be able to come back and win that ball game. And so he said, all right, we'll get him tomorrow, basically. We'll, we'll hope that Santana gets those outs. I'd like for once, or for some of these, these moments, to try to... Trust that your team can get that run of the night. Because guess what they did? And if you went to Adam Adovino tonight, yeah, you burn him for tomorrow. But maybe you go to him, he gets out of that inning, you tie the game, complexion's completely different, pressure's more on Hater. Maybe he, you know, is is trying to attack the zone more and you get another hitter. Maybe... He walks another batter. He's more wild. I don't know. Maybe you go into extras and you win it. But that was definitely a managerial decision I just did not agree with. I feel like it was based on the way he managed the game before, though. So I get why he didn't go to them, wanting to preserve them so they're available if the Mets have a lead and need to win the rubber match. I understand more the decision he made in this game based on the bullets he thinks he has to fire. But you wasted some in a 5 nothing game where maybe you could have got through it without Adovino. And then you had him for this game. So, And it's also, let's be honest, you're also missing Edwin Diaz. And that would have lengthened this bullpen where you would have had that additional arm. And so maybe he only has four arms he could trust right now instead of five. But... He's got to figure it out. And, uh, you know, if these decisions keep happening, fortunately I'll keep talking about it. I do try to stay away from them as much as I can. Where can this lineup turn to to find some answers, though? Because at the end of the day, still the biggest culprit of this loss was two runs put up. So we're going to get to that in just a minute. Before we do, though, today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Baseball GM. If you want to be an MLB GM, if you've always dreamed about that, this is your chance to just have some fun and live out those dreams 
this game is definitely for you because you can manage every strategic aspect of your team and play through a season. You got every single little thing you can think of this game lets you do, whether it's hiring a coach and staff, whether it's managing team finances, scouting, drafting players, managing personalities even, navigating your franchise through free agency and all the ups and downs of a season, all of this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Baseball GM is completely free and playable offline, so you can play on the go as you want, when you want, once downloaded. You don't need Wi-Fi. It's all there for you. And at play, Locked On Mets listeners will get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure you check it out. To download the game, just visit ProBaseballGM.com, scan the code, or look it up on the app stores. That's ProBaseballGM.com. Check out Ultimate Baseball GM. Start your dynasty today. Featuring a lineup that is very similar to what they had last year, this Mets offense has not been the same. Last year, they were top five in runs scored. This year, they're 22nd in runs scored right now. Last year, they were second in on-base percentage. This year, 20th. So what has changed? What's different? Well, you look at the performers on this team, and I think you can expect some positive regression from some guys. You know, Pete Alonso is not going to get on base at a 314 clip all year. But he also has five home runs in 12 games and slugging at a 568 clip, which probably isn't sustainable. He'll meet somewhere in the middle. You know, his 892 OPS, maybe he gets over 900. But even though he has gone off to a slow start with the average at 222, we know he's going to get better. Lindor, he's hitting 225, but he's getting on base at a 373 clip. He's drawn eight walks. Uh, he struck out 16 times, so that is one thing I'll say. He's leading the team in strikeouts. That maybe needs to come down, but overall, those guys are names you trust, and they'll figure it out. Starling Marte has been awesome this year, so no qualms about him. But as we look at this roster a little bit deeper, there's some things that begin to really kind of scream out to me. First one, Daniel Vogelback. Now you'll say, is he struggling? Not necessarily. Um, you know, hasn't had much power, only one double so far. He's getting on base at a 429 clip, though. That's because he's drawn five walks and 16 at bats, 21 plate appearances. Here's the problem. He's only been able to play in seven games because the Mets are facing a ton of lefties. And that's an issue because he really is a player that just isn't quite a 100% functioning piece of your roster because you shield them from lefties and you don't want it to play a position and you don't want it to run the bases. So he's just there to hit and, you know, he's doing a decent job of it, but how much is he going to impact his team? Is he really the answer to be the fifth hitter behind Pete against righties that's giving you the type of protection behind him that you want? I don't think he's quite that guy and it's not his fault. He's doing his job well. But there's only so much he can bring. Jeff McNeil's going to be a lot better. So, look, he's getting on base still at a 360 clip. The average at 256. He's going to get that over 300. He's going to be fine. And he'll start slugging a little more, too. You know, that slug will go up just by the hits coming. So, I'm not concerned about him. But it does explain part of the Mets' struggles when you're not getting the production from McNeil, Alonzo, Lindor, and Nimmo even. I mean, Nimmo, 219 slug. He is getting on base at a 413 clip. But he's only hitting 188, so he's just not doing it other than the walk strong. Leading the team in that, 12, but 
and only compared to four strikeouts too. So the strikeout to walk rate's exceptional. He just hasn't quite got to the point where he's impacting the baseball with the bat. But you look at Mark Canna, Tommy Pham, Luis Guillorme, and Eduardo Escobar, a lot of these guys just are giving you next to nothing. I mean, Canna at least has the OPS over 700 barely, and he's getting on base at a 320 clip. But, you know, he's overall struggled. Tommy Pham had the one good game. Other than that, uh, you know, hasn't been great for him. Yes, he had a hit today in a big spot, but he's still, as much as you want to probably jump down my throat saying I was too hard on Pham, he's hitting 231 with a 286 on base, a 385 slug, and a 671 OPS. It's not like he's killing it, and he's getting opportunities, 26 at-bats. You know, you, you look at Giorme, love the guy, but he's giving you nothing nothing offensively so far, on base percentage at 250. And Eduardo Escobar is just atrocious this year. And I don't want to just continue to harp on the guy. He needs time, but first bit of sample size, he's 4 for 36. He has 10 strikeouts to 2 walks. He His on-base percentage is 154. He's hitting 111. And Brett freaking Beatty is killing it in AAA. At what point does the best player get his chance to play? That's the thing for me. Because you're looking at Brett Beatty with the damn 481 on-base percentage in the minor leagues. There is not a world in my eyes right now where Brett Beatty doesn't give you a better at-bat than Eduardo Escobar. It's just that simple to me. And I know he had a little thumb injury. Well, guess what? He was in the lineup today, and he went 3-for-5 with a home run and two RBIs. He also had a double, and he scorched the ball. Exit velocity is like over 100 in almost all of his at-bats. The difference between him and Francisco Alvarez is he's ready for big league pitching. I'm not talking about catching big league pitching. I'm talking about facing big league pitching. He's the guy I've been screaming for all offseason and in spring training. So, look, man, I get that they made the decision they made and they're trying not to look stupid. Man, sometimes admit that you're wrong, okay? Call them up and make a tough decision elsewhere, whether that's optioning LaCastro, whether that's, you know, coming up with some IL stint for somebody. I don't know what you have to do to, to make all those pieces work. But damn it if it's not needed when you look at this team. And honestly, I really think you get to a point this season where the best roster the Mets have includes Vientos, includes Beatty, maybe even Alvarez. Um, obviously, is there now. But those were the two guys who I felt like should be on this team. And if you have to cut a player in Vogelback who can't run, can't field, and can only hit against right-handed pitching, and might not even slug that well. A big guy that walks so that you can carry a baby on your roster. So that you can maybe carry a Vientos. I think it makes the team better. So that's my that's my uh, little outcry. Um, we'll probably discuss it more because we've got a Friday Farm Report coming up. Last show, uh, or tomorrow's show, last show of this series. It's going to be a recap with Javi Reyes. He's going to be at the game, so we're going to do that a little bit later in the night. Um, should be good though. So make sure you tune into that. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ficklestein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets. Your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, 
Check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. It's where you want to go. If you want to win your league this year, you can find Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.